Good morning, Finding Life Church. In, in case you didn't know, that's Superman, that guy. That's why the truck got messed up. In case you haven't seen that movie before. Um, but anyway, good morning. Um, if I haven't met you before, my name is Travis. I'm one of the pastors here at Finding Life Church. And Kevin, I just wanted to start by letting you know that I like you. And I'll share with you whatever food I bring to the Super Bowl party. I feel like you got picked on a lot there. My gosh. Um, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, so anyway, um, I'm the associate pastor here. I get the chance to teach from time to time, and it's an honor, and it's a privilege, and I'm just excited to get the opportunity to be up here. So we are in a series called Jesus uh, by Luke the Physician. So we're going through the book of Luke, and we're looking at his perspective on Jesus, and, and what Luke does a really good job of in the, this, uh, this book is he draws out the humanity of Jesus, and that's kind of what we've been looking at. Um, so I got tasked to go into Luke 6. Um, and we're going to read in, in just a minute from Luke 6. So if you want to start pulling your phones out or your Bibles out or whatever, that's, that's awesome. We'll, and you can read along with us. But in Luke 6, there's a ton of stuff to pick from. I mean, there's, um, there's talk about the Sabbath and there's Jesus arguing with the religious elite of the day. And, and, and then there's this part that really stuck out to me. And, and, and so I just knew that this is what I had to teach on. It's in Luke 6, 27 through 31, where for the first time Jesus tells us that we're to love our enemies, which is an awesome subject to talk about, right? Like, I, I picked probably the hardest one in Luke 6 to talk about, but I know that it is super relevant to my life, probably to your lives. I know it's relevant in the lives of my children all the time. And hopefully now that you know we're talking about love your enemies, and if you had a worship flyer or a handout, you already knew that, you know why I showed that Superman clip. Um, the, the, the reason I showed it was not so that we all remember and know that you don't pour beer on Superman. It's really good advice not to do that, but I don't know that we're going to encounter him on a daily basis. No, I showed that because I wanted us to see something about ourselves. Now, raise your hand if you laughed when you saw that guy's truck all messed up with the logs through it. Come on, don't be shy. We're, it's a safe place here. Um, I, I, the first time I saw that, I laughed, and I still chuckle every time I see it. Um, and I think what that shows us is that there is a piece of us that just loves it, even celebrates it, or at least we're a little satisfied when we see somebody get what, what they've got coming to them, right? When we see somebody get what we think they deserve, and that's exactly what happened right there. If you watch that guy pour that beer on Superman, you're like, oh, your blood starts to boil a little bit, and you see him get even, and it's like, oh, thank you. Um, and it's just, it's just so true that our human nature um, just, just doesn't jive with loving our enemies. Our instinct when we're wrong is, is to retaliate. That's, that's an instinct that we have to fight often, um, just like Superman's instinct was to retaliate. It's definitely not love, and, and so as I'm thinking about stories I can tell, I'm like, I got lots of stories. I had to try to pick one out of the multitude of stories that I have, and if you've got kids in the room, you know that this is something that comes up a lot. It's what do you do when your sister or brother hits you or throws something at you or calls you a mean name or whatever. So in my house for the last couple of years, what I've been trying to get my son, Landon, who is 10, to understand is that you don't hit your sister, especially your little sister. I don't know what it is about him and Hadley. She's eight, uh, but they fight. They are rivals. They have such a love-hate relationship. Sometimes they're so awesome to each other, and I'm like, why can't you do this all the time? And then other times they're, they're just at each other's throats. So here's a quick story last week. So it started Tuesday. Hadley was playing on the iPad, 
Landon ripped it out of her hands for something she said to him, and somehow she got it back from him, and she whipped it at his head, like just went like a Frisbee. And it's my iPad that I have here today. It's cracked, but not from that, from other things. Um, and, and all I heard from downstairs was a scream. <laughs> Landon trying not to, to go right after her. Um, and then to make matters worse, the next day, the very next day, Landon would not get out of her room, and so how did she handle it? She picked up a shoe, and she threw it down the stairs, down the hall, and it hit him right in the head. She's got a good arm. I'm going to get her in softball. going to get her in softball. I actually said that, believe it or not. We should get you in softball. Um, she's got good aim, too. But he, I might have just caught it at the right time, but, and if you've seen my son ever get mad, which I think a lot of you have, he does this thing where he just clenches up, and his face turns red, and he's just like, argh. And, and I caught him in that moment. And I, luckily, he did not retaliate. When, I'm proud. He's making progress. He kind of just went to his room and screamed and yells and, and probably hit some walls and all kinds of stuff. But he's learning that when bad things happen to him, when wrong things happen to him, like my first instinct, I can't follow my first instinct, which is to retaliate. Um, and I tell that story because it's funny, but I also tell it because kids do a really good job of showing us what our human nature is, like what we do before we learn all these social norms and cues and, and, and what Jesus teaches us. Um, and when we're hurt, love is not a natural thing, but it is what Jesus is calling us to. And that just seems so impossible, right? Um, but one of the things that I want to make sure that we do today um, as we go into this, as we dive into this, is, is let's make this real for ourselves. Let's not make this theoretical. It'd be really easy to talk about loving enemies in theory, right? Uh, to think about people that are halfway across the country or that are on the other end of the world that, that we don't come into contact with every single day. Um, but I don't think that's who Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about people that we encounter on a daily basis, people that we're mixing it up with, that we're doing life with, that we encounter all the time. Because let's be honest, we get hurt way more by people close to us than we do by people that are far away from us. So who are those people in your life? Who are the people that have hurt you? Who are the people that, uh, that don't treat you well? Maybe, I know we've got middle schoolers and high schoolers in the room. You know, Maybe there's a group of kids at school that, they think they're a lot cooler than you, and they make you aware of it all the time, and it drives you nuts. Maybe for the adults in the room, it's your boss or a coworker. Uh, maybe it's an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-husband or wife. Or maybe it's a person that, that you live next to that doesn't share your political views or moral values or, or choose to live their life the way that you do. Whoever it is, I'm sure that when you saw the word enemy today or heard me talking about it, somebody popped in your head. Like, so there's somebody in your life that you thought of almost immediately. And whoever it is, um, I want you to picture that person as we go through this. I want you to make it real today. As, as uncomfortable as that may be for us, I think it's necessary for us to do it. And with that in mind, let's jump into what Jesus has to say about this. Let's, let's see what his words are. Uh, let's read them together. And if you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen for you so you can see it as well. And I'll go ahead and read it for you. This is Luke 6, 27 through 31. And Jesus says this, But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, give them the other cheek as well. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. So, if you've been following along the sequence in the book of Luke, it kind of goes... 
like this. Jesus starts his ministry. He's loving people. He's healing people. He's rebuking the stuffy religious elite, right? All things we like, all things we can get on board with. And then we get to this part right here. I'm supposed to love my enemies? I'm supposed to, if somebody hates me, I'm supposed to do good to them. If somebody curses me, I'm supposed to bless them. Like, it just seems crazy, backwards, upside down, in every way that we could possibly imagine. And I personally think that this is one of the hardest and maybe most unreasonable things that Jesus asked us to do in, in the gospel. I mean, it really isn't hard for us if we just think of it in terms of the jerk we deal with at work or the person that cuts us off in traffic, right? I mean, that's real easy. But it gets a lot harder when we think in terms of people who have done us great harm, people who have abused us and taken advantage of us in, in some of the worst ways possible. Um, you know, as I, as I prepared this message, I started with it being a really kind of good feeling type of message where we just talked about the people that drive us nuts a little bit and, and how do we love them well and but I couldn't get away from the fact that that would have just not been the right way to go about this. It wouldn't have been, it would, it wouldn't have been being real. And one of the things I love about our community is we're not afraid to talk about the hard subjects. We're not afraid to dive into them. We don't shy away from things. And so I don't want to shy away from the hard parts of this topic because there are some. Um, I've gone through some hard stuff in my life, but there's people in this room and there's lots of people around in our lives that we're connected to that have gone through things that I'll never experience. Things that I can't possibly understand. Abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, of all kinds. And if I've learned anything over the past months and, and year, it's that it is so much more widespread than we could possibly understand, right? Think about the USA Gymnastics thing that's going on right now. The Me Too campaign, all the stuff that, that has been coming out of Hollywood. Um, it is just so rampant, and, and so I, I, I don't want to stand up here and act like this is some kind of an easy subject, or that I don't understand how delicate it is, or try to pretend that I understand what, what maybe some of you in this room have been through, because I don't. Um, while I haven't gone through things that maybe you have, and other people in the room haven't either, the thing I think we have to connect with is that pain is pain, right? It's hard to rate pain. It's hard to compare pain. Um, you know, whatever you've been through, whatever's happened to you, however you've been treated, like, it, it might not be exactly the same as somebody else, but it's all horrific for the person that goes through it, right? Like, to them, it's horrific, and that's all that matters. So, as we dive into this subject that seems so unreasonable to us, I think it's helpful to remember a couple of things, okay? One is, who is Luke writing to? Luke is writing to a group of Greek and Roman believers, first century believers, right? This is the time when the Roman, Roman's persecution of Christians is at its, at its height. This is, and, and they're not just being thrown in jail. They're being beaten, beheaded, and killed and crucified all the time. So when they read, the audience reads, love your enemies, they're not thinking about the person at the well who's being mean to them. Sorry, they didn't have water coolers back then, so well person being mean to them at the well, that's not who they're thinking of. They're thinking of the people that are trying to kill them. That's their enemies. Second, I think we have to remember who's saying these words. I'm not saying these words. I'm not telling you to love your enemies. It's Jesus. It's our Savior who is telling us to love our enemies. And let's remember who Jesus is and what he dealt with. He 
has some credibility on this subject, right? Because he's dealt with some of the worst enemies you can possibly deal with, some of the worst abuse and hate you can possibly have put upon you by anybody. I mean, when I, when I think through, like, the enemies of Jesus, the first one that pops into my mind is Judas, right? Judas was one of Jesus' disciples, one of his closest friends and allies, somebody that Jesus trusted, invested in, taught over several years. And the other thing to remember, too, is that we talk about Jesus being a human, and he is, and he was, but he's also fully God, which means that he knows that he's loving somebody that's going to betray him in a few years, but he loves him anyway. He didn't treat Judas any different than he treated any of the other disciples. He just kept loving Judas anyway. Another enemy that Jesus had, of course, were the men that would, that would um, mock him, beat him, and eventually crucify him, um, just do some of the most awful things to him. And it's hard to be more of an enemy than that. And, and Jesus, being fully God again, he had the power to stop all of that. Like he could have, like Superman, messed up that guy's truck. Jesus could have messed up all those people, right? And he could have just destroyed it all to save himself. But he didn't. He didn't stop it. Instead, as he hung dying on the cross, he said... Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Um, as, I, as I read that and just pictured the moment, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, Jesus is a leader, right? And I think about um, one of the things I've always looked for in a leader when I'm looking at, at who I'm going to follow and whether or not I'm going to follow them is, are they, willing to do, are they willing to do the things they're asking me to do, right? There's nothing worse than somebody that is telling you to do something and they're not willing to do it themselves. Well, Jesus, with his life, has, has said, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Jesus faced all kinds of enemies, the worst kinds of hate and abuse, and he responded with love. And so he asks us to do the same. And there's another reason that he has no problem asking us to do this. And that's because we were once his enemies, right? We were once enemies of God. We read in Romans 5.10, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. We were once God's enemies. And the only reason we have any friendship with God at all is because Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and what he was willing to do for us. We have been recipients of that same love that he was giving to those people that were abusing him. And so since we've been recipients of that love, Jesus is calling on us to turn around and give it away in the same ways that he did. We're to love, and we're to love without conditions, to love regardless of how we've been treated. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Um, I like to, I, it helps me a lot to think of myself as a representative of Christ, as my, of myself as an ambassador of his, because there's times when I am in a situation and I want to react in my flesh and I have to remember that, that what, if, what, is, what are people going to think of Jesus if I react this way? And so it's not that I, I don't always do it right, trust me. Jasmine could tell you that. Um, um, but, but it's something that goes through my head a lot. And, and as ambassadors, if you think about what an ambassador is, it's somebody that, that is that leaves behind their way for, for the person who they're following, for their way. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to leave behind our ways for his ways. Now think about it. If you were an ambassador and you went to a foreign country, you don't get to go to that foreign country and make up your own agenda. 
You don't get to set your own agenda and do your own thing. No, that, the, your marching orders come from the top. And, and it's the same thing here. God is, is, is the one that's setting the agenda, not us. And we are to leave behind our ways for his ways. Obviously, that is a lot easier to say and a lot harder to do. So uh, that's what we're going to spend the remainder of our time talking about is, is how is it possible to even, like practically speaking, um, even attempt to live into this, this idea of loving our enemies and blessing those who curse us and doing good to those who hate us. Um, so if you've got an outline, you can follow along if you like. I'm going to start with number one. Um, the first thing that we have to do is we have to recognize the role of sin in all of this. And this is hard. This is hard to do. But we have to recognize that, that, that sin plays a huge part in this, right? And it's not just in the people that are hurting us. It's in us, too. Your sin, my sin, everyone has sin. The, one of the things I want to make sure, there's going to be a lot of, like, I feel like there's a lot of conditional statements here. Like, I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to say, hang on, this is what I mean, so just stay with me. Uh, one thing I want to be clear about here, really clear about here, is that I am not saying that your sin is the cause of the sin against you. This is not a cause and effect statement. I'm, I'm not saying um, that you brought this on yourself in any way, shape, matter, or form. I'm simply saying, uh, I'm simply talking about the fact that we all have sin inside of us. One of the things that I was really impacted by during our Christmas series was uh, when Kevin took a week and talked about Herod. If you're here, maybe you remember that. But one of the points that he made was that we all have a little Herod inside of us. We are all broken and all capable of awful things. Um, and and have, so, so in thinking about that, if people hurt me, yes. But you know what? I've hurt people too. And we all have. Um, the posture, I think, that Jesus is asking us to live into is what Kevin read last week in Luke 5 is Peter saying to Jesus, Lord, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Um, we want to be humble and recognize that we aren't always on the receiving end. We are sometimes, but we're not always. We're not always the victim of abuse. Sometimes, unfortunately, we're the, one, we're the ones doling it out to other people. The other thing we have to recognize is that when we get hurt by someone, it isn't the person that's the problem. It is the sin. Now, here's another one of those statements. Now, I am not saying, what. I, let me say it this way. I am not suggesting in any way that we condone or accept horrible, awful behavior. I'm not saying that at all. And I am not arguing against legal consequences for illegal actions. Okay, that's a separate conversation for another day. What I'm talking about is, can we separate the person from the sin? And that's something that Jesus addresses when he says, like we talked about a minute ago, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and dying, he is saying, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. He is looking past their sin at their humanity, at what God created, right? A human being in the image of God. He's looking past their sin. In essence, what Jesus understands is that these people are blinded by their sin. They're completely and totally controlled by it. They don't even realize what they're doing. They don't realize they're killing the Son of God. And the same thing goes when we, hurt, when we are hurt by others. And I want to give you a quick example of this. Um, <clears throat> uh, I don't know, about a month ago or so, I was going to the chiropractor. I was going to Jasmine's office. I had all my kids with me. And, and I feel like my son's getting a really bad rap today. But he and I were, were arguing on the way into the office. And I was frustrated, but another person was coming out of the office. And, 
And I was laughing. You know how when somebody witnesses you fighting with your kids, you, you kind of look at them and you wonder if they feel your pain a little bit and, and, and you kind of have this connection. Well, I looked at this guy and I, and I didn't know for sure what his reaction was going to be, but he didn't have much reaction. So I said, hey, how you doing? And I just kept kind of walking. And his response was just, I, I was so confused by it. He responded with, what are you looking at? <laughs> like harsh, with much more colorful language. What are you looking at? And I went, sorry? Like, I was confused. I had no idea. I was like, I, I just said hi to this guy. What did I do? Um, and so I, I, I said, sorry. And he said, I said, what are you looking at, you? Okay, so this is where it gets a little more colorful. He called me a bald white, et cetera, et cetera, which is the first time that I think my haircut's gotten me in trouble. <laughs> I've managed to steer clear of the neo-Nazi stuff to this point. Um, this guy happened to be African-American, by the way. I didn't mention that. Um, and my first reaction, I don't even know. I, I was in such disbelief that I just laughed. I laughed as I continued to walk into the office. And, but then I got mad. And then I was like, who does this guy think he is talking to me this way? I was being nice to him. I don't deserve that. You know, I was all like Superman. I wanted to mess up his truck. <laughs> and, and I was like that for a little bit until I got home and and my wife is awesome. She is really good at all the time just getting me to slow down and think about things from a different perspective, even if I don't want to. Um, but, you know, she got me to ha try to have some empathy for this guy and to try to put myself in his shoes and figure out, because clearly I didn't do anything to him, right? Like, there's another reason why he was awful to me that night, and it wasn't me. And so we just started kind of brainstorming different things that could have happened to this guy and why, it why he might be in the situation that he is. And, and what she reminded me of which is true, absolutely true, is that hurting people hurt people, right? Like when we're, when we're in terrible moods, man, we're awful to people, aren't we? Like I know I'm awful to my family when I'm in a bad mood. And, and there, it's just apparent that this guy was hurt by somebody, probably somebody that looked like me, right? And, and so he is lashing out at me even though I didn't do anything. And so I have to be able to look past what he did to me, and recognize that, man, there's something going on with this guy that's bigger than this. And, and, and not that he's not responsible for saying something awful to me, but I can look past that and say, man, this guy's probably hurting, and, and I can give him a bit of a pass. And I do that, and I want to do that because there's times when I need a pass. There's lots of times when I need a pass, too. Um, that brings us to number two on your outline, which is to pray. The second thing we have to do if we have any capability at all of loving our enemies and blessing those who curse us is we have to pray. Um, I just want to reread what Jesus said in 627 as we go so we remember his words. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. I find it interesting that the first sentence is love your enemies, right? So it's an emotion for us. And we're like, I have a hard enough time loving people that like me let alone you want me to have emotional love for somebody that hates me. That's impossible. But he follows it with actions. Now, we might not be able to, to, choose, action or to, to choose feelings of love, but we can absolutely choose actions of love. And the most important action of love that we can choose is to pray. And maybe that's the only action we can choose for a while. And that's okay. Maybe we just have to start with, God, I really hate this person and I don't want to. Will you help me? Will you help me let go of that hate in my heart? Praying is what unites us with Christ. It's what puts us, it gives us that connection and, and puts his power at work within us. 
Separated from Christ, we are not capable of doing this. I am not capable of doing this. But with him, I am, absolutely. So pray. Pray for that person that's wronged you. Pray for their heart. Pray for healing. You know, they're probably hurting too. What are they hurting from? And pray for that. God knows what they're hurting from. Pray for yourself. Pray for your own heart. Pray that God would heal the hurt that you have inside of you, that that he would help you to let go of feelings of resentment and bitterness because, man, it's hard to live life with those feelings in your heart. It's really hard. And as you pray, just watch as God changes you, changes your heart towards that person, changes their heart, maybe, towards you. And watch for God to create more opportunities for you to, to, to show them his heart. And that brings us to number three, which is bless and do good. These are the other two things that Jesus is calling us to do in these verses. And the way I'm thinking about it, I'm like, okay, so now I'm prayed up, connected with Christ. He's working through me. I'm seeing his I'm seeing the world through his eyes and not my own. I'm, 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 I'm thinking about his purposes for everything that I do every day instead of my own purposes. And now I might be starting to be in a position where I can do some of this, where I can, I can bless those who curse me and I can, I can do good for those who hate me. And as we get here, I want you to go back. Go back to that person, and maybe they never left your head, but I want you to be thinking about that person who is your quote-unquote enemy and think about What would it look like for you to do good for that person? What would it look like, and maybe your blood curdles as you, as I say that, you start to imagine it, because you haven't prayed yet. Go home and pray. It's okay. Um, Go home and pray. (laughs) Pray first. Before you shut me down, go pray first, okay? Um, You know, maybe maybe you're not in a position right now. It's funny that I wrote the next thing. Um, you're not in a position right now where that can even be a thought in your head, and that's okay. Maybe all you can do is start to pray, and maybe it's only to pray for your own heart, and that's cool. That's fine. That's a step. That's a good step that you could take. Maybe you're in a, a different situation, and you can't allow yourself. Maybe you're already praying for somebody that, that is a quote-unquote enemy. Um, and maybe you're at a point where you can't allow yourself to think about, what would it look like for me to bless that person or to do something good for them? If it's a coworker, what would happen if you went out of your way to do something good for somebody that you typically avoid or that you just can't stand because of how they've treated you, what would, what would happen if you went and sat down and, and asked them how they were doing and actually listened to them? What would their reaction be? What if it's a neighbor that you don't get along with that you just tend to avoid? What would happen if you went out of your way to strike up a conversation with them, to, to leave them something, to invite them over for dinner? I mean, what would happen? For those of you that are in middle school and high school, you know, what's something, what's something small and simple that you could do good for that kid or those kids that don't make you feel good from time to time? You know, I'm not sure if you feel this or not. I mentioned it earlier that the first time we like, we start thinking about doing good for somebody that's been awful to us, it, it makes it like we're, the first thing we think is, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. That's not exciting for me to think about. And so I want to make sure that we come back to the why, why we want to do it. And I want to read a couple sentences later in Luke 6. Um, It's on the same subject, and Jesus says this in 6.32.33. He said, if you only love those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. Essentially, what Jesus is saying is it's easy to love those who love you. Everybody does that. Everybody 
does good to those who do good to them. And if that's all you do, what makes you any different than anybody else? How is anybody in this world going to know that you belong to me? Not me, Jesus. How is anybody in this world going to know that you belong to Jesus if you are just doing the same thing that they're doing? Jesus is calling us as his disciples, as his followers, to something greater than what just everybody does. He's calling us to be different. He's calling us to live with an eternal view of life, not just a view of here and now, not just how I make myself feel better in the moment, but, but a bigger picture. Because there's always something bigger happening. God is always doing things that, that we can't possibly see or understand. And as I think about that, one of the stories in the Bible that I remember intimately is the story of Joseph. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis gets sold into slavery by his brothers. And at that moment, it seems like, man, these people are just awful. But then you see how God uses all of it to save a nation, to build a nation. And, and, and he's doing that right now. Like he's doing things like that right now. He is making great things out of horrible things. That's what God does. He's doing that right now. These connections that we have with people, even the hard ones, especially the hard ones, especially the hard ones, are not by accident. They are not useless. Whatever that connection is, God wants to use it. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors and God is making his appeal to the world through us, not through anybody else. He doesn't have a plan B. It's us that he's making his appeal to the world through. These aren't just relationships. They aren't just throwaways. These are kingdom relationships. They're not, and they're not opportunities for us to make our names great, right? They're not, they're not for us to say, man, look at man, Travis is a really nice person. Did you see how nice he was to that enemy of his? Like, no, it's not for me to glorify myself. It's for us to glorify God. That's what these are all about. These are opportunities to make his name great, to bring glory to God. You know, sharing our faith in Christ is not always the easiest thing for us to do, right? I'm a pastor, and, it, and it's hard for me at times. And, and it usually happens really easily when people ask me what I do for a living. It's like, oh, how'd you end up in that profession? And for, for all of the rest of you, that's a little harder, I get. But you know what makes it a lot easier? Loving your enemies. Blessing those who curse you. Doing good for those who hate you. Because people will not understand it. Because again, people don't do this. This is upside down, counterculture, opposite of everything that's natural to us. And so when people see you doing this, they're going to be like, what is your problem? What is, why are you doing that? And what a great opportunity for you and I to share what Christ has done in our lives, in our lives. Now, I want to kind of wrap up with a story, um, and I'll invite the band to come back up at this point. I'm not sure if you guys remember back in 2015, there was a shooting in a church in, Char in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, it was a white supremacist, um, and he went into an all-African-American church, and these people welcomed him into their Bible study, and then he opened fire, and he killed nine people. Um, he uh, confessed to it immediately. He showed absolutely no remorse. Um, even in the face of his victims' families, absolutely no remorse. And I remember this. Like, I can see it in my mind. I can remember this guy's face, and I can remember watching this on TV. It was on TV. They televised it. Um, 
And the reason I bring this up is because the victim's families got the opportunity to address the killer live. He was in jail on TV, and they were in the courtroom reading statements, and they all sounded about like this. This is a statement from a daughter of somebody who was, uh, was shot that day. And I quote, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God forgives you, I forgive you. And like I said, almost three years later, I still remember seeing that on TV. It is burned into my memory. And I was a believer at that point. It, 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 it sticks out of my memory because it was so, like, I couldn't believe it. I was flabbergasted. I was, I was caught off guard. It was so backwards, upside down. I was like, I understand that we're supposed to do this. I understand that Jesus calls us to this, but I'd never seen anybody do it like that. Like, it was nuts. But the thing that I remember more than anything else was the entirety of the news media was talking about Jesus. <laughs> all day long, and the next day, and all that week, everybody was, was talking about these women that stood in this courtroom, faced this man, and said, I forgive you because my God forgives me. And these, new, these people in the news media, I wouldn't say they're, it's a very Christian uh, profession to be in, are all talking about Jesus. They're all shocked. Why would they do this? This is amazing. Right? And God's getting glory. God is getting glorified. And we may not be facing anything nearly that egregious, but if we, like this woman, can respond as Jesus would have us respond, just think of how surprising it would be. Think of how many questions it would create. Think of what a great opportunity to tell our stories and what God's done in our lives, to tell that, that we forgive because God's forgiven us, that we're patient because God is patient, that we give because God has given we sacrifice because he, he has sacrificed, and we love because he has loved us unconditionally. You know, as we, as we wrap up and we try to figure out what to do with all of this, um, I just want to try to make it really simple. I think that sometimes we make being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Christ, a lot harder than it needs to be. I know I do. And I think it's really just what it really boils down to is, are we becoming more like Christ? Are we growing to be more like Christ daily, weekly. And it's not about being perfect, right? It's never going to be perfect on this side of heaven, ever. It's just about making progress. It's just about taking a step, taking the next step. And so as we leave here today after considering a, a hard topic, right, like just something that is not something we want to talk about, I, I'm sure when you woke up this morning and came to this gathering, you were not like, woo, let's talk about loving our enemies. Um, what I want you to um, leave, I don't, want, I don't want you to leave here going, there's no way I can love like Jesus did. I can't love my enemies like Jesus loved his, so there's just no point in me trying. Instead, I want you to think, what is one step, what is one thing that I can do today, tomorrow, one step that I can take to be obedient to what Christ is calling me to? That's it. That's all it is. Just one step. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for the unbelievable, amazing ways that you love us. And just think about, as we read the entirety of your narrative, the narrative of, of, your, um, of, of just the Israelites and how 
how many times they ran away from you and, and, and cursed you and did awful things to you, how you kept pursuing them over and over and over and over, never giving up. And you do the same thing in our lives today. We run away from you constantly, God, and you never stop pursuing us no matter what we do, no matter how awful we are. There is not a way for us to outsin your grace and love for us. And that doesn't just apply to us. That applies to every human being. As hard as that is for us to imagine, that's who you are. And God, I just pray for us as we get ready to leave this place today that you would, uh, that you would help us. We can't do this alone. We can't even begin to do this alone. We, we might not even be able to take the step of, of just sitting down to pray for those who hurt us and, and who have abused us and been awful to us. And so I pray that you'd be working in each of our hearts, God, helping us, softening us to get to the point where we can begin to live out this call because it's not about us. Our life is not about us. It's about you and what you're doing in this world. And as hard as that is for us to live into, God, I just pray that you would help us uh, just take the next step. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.